Hi and welcome to Mark's Motivational Podcast for another Authors Tuesday. Um, so it's great to have another guest here today, um, Realton Nilano. Um, so um, Realton is, uh, is, writes a lot of books, Asquelga in Irish. So I'm really looking forward to talking to Realton today. So thanks a lot for coming on today, Realton. Gurmayagat, you're very welcome, Mark. Yeah. I'm delighted no, to be with you. Thank you. Thanks very much. It's a real treat for the listeners. So um, we'll probably start the podcast. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and the books you've written, please? Because it's very interesting. You, you've written a lot of book, books, Asquelga, in Irish. So um, I'm going to hear about it because I'm a big fan of, of the language as well. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, it, I think it's gas in a way because um, I wasn't brought up with Irish up in Belfast. And there was no Irish in school up in Belfast until you went to secondary. And I hated Irish when I first started it because that was way back, way, way back in the 70s when I started secondary. And um, you got taught Irish in those days by, this is the grammar, learn the grammar. Those are a few words, put them into the sentences in the grammar. And yeah. I can hear my kids going, Jesus, my, you're going all naughty on us now. Anyway, um, I hated Irish at the beginning. And then I went to a Gaeltacht course because we were deprived children from um, inner city Falls Road, Belfast. And we needed taken out of the bad atmosphere and environment we were in. And as it happened, I went to do a Gaeltacht course, um, which totally transformed my whole attitude to the language because I could see it being spoken by ordinary people. Like, past the potatoes. You've, it's time to put the lights out and go to bed, you lot. You know, all the little things. They were all natural, ordinary um, mm. Irish. And then I came back. And then at the end of September, the Irish teacher says, <clears throat> okay, a few, few of you were at Irish college this summer. Um, right, okay, here's envelopes for you. You've just given to your ma's at home. And it turned out the Irish American Fund was after giving us the, the price of what our parents had paid for those courses. And do you know yeah. what? It was like Christmas for my mother. She got all this money back and literally it did pay for Christmas. She wow. was delighted, absolutely right. delighted. So anyway, look, so that's how it started. And there was no stopping me because I do like to say this was Belfast in the 70s. And I was a teenager at a Catholic girls' school. And you know what? There was no way I was going to get out that door with all the trouble going on out in the streets. Mm -hmm. um, there was no way my mother was going to let me down to the local disco because she knew that they drank cider at the back of the hall in the disco. And so she sent me down to the Cayley, down in the local Irish club, um, Common Clunard. Mm. And she, she knew she could trust people there because there'd be adults there that she knew all her life who'd be keeping an eye on what was going on. And they'd report mm. back to Bridget if there was any problem. So Bridget sent me to the Cayley. The only thing was you had to speak Irish in the Cayleys. Okay. So if I wanted to meet a boy between the age of 12 and 20, I had to go down there. So you had to learn Irish if you wanted to get out of the house. It was either that and or sat and sit and watch reruns of the Magnificent Seven from from then until you were 
able to get away from the house when you were working, you know. So that's how it started, really. I mean, I, I, what happened was I, I got a group of friends all based around the same place. We all spoke in Irish and we all got into the Irish and there was no stopping us then. And most of the people in that in that group either went on to become Irish teachers or work in Irish. Um, one of them is the, if, if you want a, a lawyer who will do all your work through Irish, he's the man to go to. Another guy is in charge of newspapers and he makes sure to put Irish articles in his papers. Um, <clears throat> sorry, there's another, there was another girl at the time, woman, and she's one of the main Irish writers up north as well. So we've all stayed with it. Every it single was. one of us, you know, which yeah. is which was interesting. But I think part of it was time because you had the British Army and Stormont and everybody going, no, you can't talk Irish. So we went, yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it was a little bit of that. So anyway, so that was fine. And then I as it happened, I fell into Irish teaching um, when I moved down south, because to be honest, I did a degree in Irish. Um, my name is in Irish because you had to make a decision up north at one stage. You go with Irish or you go with English. You can't have both up north, mm -hmm. full stop. So my name was in Irish. My address was, in Ar was down up the Falls Road, literally Falls Road. Um, and my degree was in Irish. There was no way I was going to get a job at the end of the 70s, early mm. 80s in Belfast in the north. <laughs> so I came down to Dublin. I started looking after kids with a family. They were a lovely family. Like, I, I mean, I really enjoyed my time with them until they broke up. So that was the end of that job. Um, and I fell into teaching. I did a stint as I was the first female manager of Club Conran Gaelica back in the early oh, wow. 80s, down Harcourt Street. And then mm. I, that lasted until I realized that the money wasn't really paying for the rent. So <laughs> that was the end of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, so fell into teaching, did teaching for many, many years. Um, and then I got cancer. Oh, God. And I had to rethink everything. Mm. Um, because it was very obvious that I wasn't going to be able to go back into classrooms full of of rambunctious teenagers mm -hmm. I just would wouldn't have the energy for it yeah so yeah. um while I was going through chemo and all the rest uh, sick as a dog weak as whatever all of a sudden I started writing little bits and pieces on backs of envelopes and this and that and the other and from that I developed a poetry collection called Taurus Elsha poetry right. journey our cancer journey um and that's where it all started then and I decided right well I don't have the energy to go back teaching um I'm going to be on hormone tablets for five years at least that are just going to sap me so I might as well try and do something with it that I don't have to get up and physically do and I went down the writing route and I went to I joined um a writing group in my local library that's an ordinary public library. And if you ask ordinary public libraries, a lot of them will have writing groups. Unfortunately, it was in English, which yeah. meant that I was writing stuff in English for them. They were coming back and critiquing it. And then I had to, 
to go and rewrite it when I felt that it was somewhere where I went, wanted it to be in Irish. But the problem is once you translate your own story, especially into Irish, mm. it changes, it changes a wee bit and you start yeah, changing other yeah. things. So mm. it added on extra time. So um, as well as that, I was also going to classes and it's well worth going to a few good writing classes. Um, That's great. Voice, yeah. So between the two of them, um, I sort of started getting there. And then Irish writers have what they call um, a mentorship scheme. Because mm-hmm. the, the usual, there are mentorship schemes in, in English language, like Poetry Ireland does one, Words Ireland, uh, Words Ireland has moved actually to the Irish Writers' Centre. But if you want to get mentored in Irish, there's, there is a particular scheme you can go with. And I applied for it, got a mentor, lovely guy, Dermot Summers. Um, we would meet and have a coffee and he would look at very specific little small things. Not We wouldn't take a whole story apart. We just take little things and look at them. Um, and at the end of the day, then I came out with a book of short stories. Right. And then moved on from then. And I've had a few other books since short stories. Mm-hmm. I did one novel, um, which was more a labor of love than anything. <laughs> because my dad's da, my granda, from Monaghan originally. Mm-hmm. He joined up in he joined the army in the First World War because Redmond said, if you join the army, you'll go and you'll get yourself free state when you come back and we'll have or not free state but we'll have self-rule mm-hmm. so he went off joined the army um, went off to Europe came back of course 1916 had happened in the meantime that was that was you know any kind of or sort of home government off the off the rails and um, mm-hmm. so he saw the way things were came out of the army, joined the IRA, as it was then, and took all his newly acquired gun-making skills and gun-putting together and storing skills to use as, as the quartermaster of his local IRA unit in Belfast. And he also, what he also did was he brought back a mail-order bride from Malta because he was stationed over there for a while. He decided that the the Maltese women, they were nice, they were docile, they were submissive, they were Catholic, they would do him very well, thank you very much to make his dinner. Didn't matter which one, anyone would do. Brought one back, and that was my granny. By the way, that marriage wasn't really the best. But (laughs) So anybody who's thinking about meal order brides, to be honest, darlings, which is ever, just catch a grip. (laughs) <laughs> so anyway, the story the story is a fictionalized, very fictionalized version of that. Very, and I've mm-hmm. taken in a lot of things that I did an awful lot of research on First World War and women in the First World War because it's really about my granny. Um, well, yeah. She came over from Malta. She hardly spoke a word of English. <laughs> she spoke Maltese. She yeah, came over yeah. with all her light, you know, hot mm. country clothes to yeah. Belfast. God lover not even dublin belfast belfast was grim in those days it was burgeoning and it was the biggest 
growing city in the United Kingdom as, as it was at the time, including Dublin. But I'm telling you, it was grim. It was coal. It was coal smoke. It was cobbles everywhere. It was horse shit everywhere because they didn't, you, you know, I mean, remember yeah. most most things were 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 horse drawn. And there yeah. she is, landing in, in her Maltese sort of, it's like a, when the Spaniards come over here for the summer, first yeah, thing they yeah. do is, is go down to the Donegal shop and buy themselves jumpers. You know, first thing oh, she yeah. did was get herself a shawl. <laughs> <laughs> so you, yeah. so you, got all, you got a lot of your stories from that. That's great. Like a lot of research went in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And actually a lot of my short stories as well are based in Belfast. Um. Mm-hmm. And again, they're based on little things that happened, but they're they're fictionalized. They're fictionalized. Yeah, so yeah. there's a lot of the troubles in them, for instance. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of writers sort of they mine their own life stories at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I'm no different. Yeah. yeah. And there's, a, there's a lot of my life stories, but again, they're fictionalized. And this is the thing mm-hmm. to remember that somewhere along the road, you can actually feel a story morphing from this is my story to this is a story this is no longer Mm -hmm. the story of me it is its own story and you can actually I mean I'm actually I'm at that stage at that at the moment with another story and I can actually see it transforming into fiction you know right yeah and what are the the name of your books as well um and where can people buy them um okay um Right. Well, I mean, I, I'd say if people want to start, I suppose the best one would be Jealish. OK, okay. I can send yeah. these on to you afterwards. Sorry. I'm yeah, please. That'd be great. Yeah. I'll send yeah, them on to you. Jealish yeah. is a short story book. And another one is Inny. OK, okay. Inny. Yeah. yeah. And you'll find out why it's called Inny in the first story. And they're both um, short stories. And then Kitty Nagarty is... The, the Maltese one. Kitty is the name of the, the, the person. Kitty Nagarty, mm. because she reads the cards, which was a very, I, I suppose over here in Ireland, we look at it and we think of it as something very exotic and not mm. quite right, something you do in secret. Whereas over in Malta, if you open any kitchen drawer, you'll find tarot cards. Okay. And their tarot cards, it's like you open a kitchen drawer here and you have a pack of cards for maybe having a game of gin, gin rummy or poker or mm-hmm. patience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have the tarot cards instead. You know, okay. it's just the way it is. So it's Kitty Nagarty, you know. Mm-hmm. And actually, I must tell you, um, just last year, myself and one of my publishers, we put out um, an anthology of short stories 28 short stories by um, all different writers and some of them are well known and some of them have only ever written by maybe two or three stories in their lives but they're good which is grand but they're Uh, also available and maybe I shouldn't be saying this to you but they're also available on podcast so we put out we put a a new story each month as well as the book we put out a new story each month with Mm -hmm an actor reading them and then we have a small discussion with the actor about the actual story and the text is there as well so you can follow for for anybody who particularly isn't very maybe very confident about Irish 
they can read the text and listen to the actor reading it at the same time. Oh, wow, that's great, isn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah. This, this particular publisher, Ev Lodge, yeah, mm. he has some marvellous ideas, you know? Yeah, you might send me a link to that as well so I can share I'll it I'll send well, you all, please. yes, I'll send you all yeah, the links. Because um, I'll be interested in that myself. <laughs> I'll be interested in that myself, yeah. <laughs> I, I I would say actually the the best way to get any get access to any of these things there's two ways one is to order books there's shoppa.ie and that's okay. the shop down in Harcourt Street so shoppa.ie oh, yeah. mm-hmm. not right. not and you can cut this a bit out if you want Mark not sexshoppa.ie which is a different kind of shop okay? yeah I know yeah yeah <laughs> 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 and I'll tell you a story about that if you want. But anyway, um, shopper.ie, or you can go on to, I have a blog, and on the right-hand side, it has links to um, where you can buy all the books, of course. Yeah, great stuff, yeah. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. No, it's great that, like, um, it's a, that's a great story that you're, you're, you're telling there about, you know, something that, that tragic that happened to you. Um, and the, such, yeah. and you found your your niche, so to speak, from that. Like that's that's great that that that's happened for you. Well, it's it's interesting because in many ways, like people think something like that's like serious illness that it happens, and you know, people were saying, "Oh my God, what are you going to do? Oh, this is terrible!" And I'm sitting there going, yeah. oh, "For God's sake, I'm not dead yet." Exactly, <laughs> that's a way to way to look at things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and I w- I never would have had the time to to write mm. if I'd still been teaching, because yeah, you get home yeah. at the end of the teaching day and you're just go away, go away. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, it's great crack, and mm. it's it's nice as well to have that connection with Belfast still, because yeah, I think probably. people in Belfast are very sort of I opened up. A few doors for other people who who are writing in Irish at the moment to actually write about their their experiences as great, well, isn't it? That's great, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And to, just to ask you as well, uh, this is great. What do you have? Kind of have a strategy that you use when you're writing? Like, um, you know, would you would you would you write a certain amount of words a day, or what way would you do it yourself? Um, I don't. Right. I'm going to give you advice that I do not always cling to myself okay. it is it is it is good to keep uh, keep writing at least 20 20 minutes half an hour a day I think mm. it keeps yeah. you in it, it keeps you in the zone and it's very mm-hmm. easy to fall out of it like during COVID there I don't know about anybody else but I froze at the beginning of COVID and I stopped writing and it took me a mm. long time to get back into it properly um, yeah. But I so I mean, if you can, you should do at least half an hour a day. More as much as you can, but mm-hmm. don't write to the stage where you're exhausted, because then you'll find it too hard to pick up the next day. Mm. That's that's what I find myself. I don't know about yourself. Yeah, but I yeah. always I always write a certain amount. And then another thing I find which helps a lot is exercise whether it's walking or swimming or whatever, because your mind starts turning and all of mm. a sudden you say to yourself, yeah, 
I'll have to make a note of that and work on that either later on tonight or tomorrow or, you know. Yeah. So exercise as well. Getting away from it. You need to get away from it. It gives yeah, you perspective. Definitely, definitely you know? yeah. No, that's great advice. Thanks a lot, Rayton. That's brilliant. Uh, and because like, it was it was actually funny, I was gonna ask you that about um COVID, like you know, because uh, that was one of the questions I was gonna ask you. Um oh, like, I was I was yeah, I was like yeah. I was like a, a rabbit in the headlights yeah. for a good while. Um I actually find it was as well that I had actually already come up with this idea to to put the anthology together. Because I, I mean, this is the thing. The hardest part is getting stuff down on a blank page. Because mm-hmm. I find, especially taking other people's stories and working through them and going through the editing process with them was much easier than having to write something down myself. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, so once you have something down, the hardest part is writing on the blank mm. page. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, I, I once overheard two translators. Um, they translated stuff into Irish, and they were busy sitting in the corner complaining about. Well, nobody like. I mean, they're always talking about Thoreau this or Depardieu that or blah blah blah. Whoever they translated from, and they're marvelous and they're great. And what about us? And I thought, well, you're not the ones that sat down with a blank page. You're, you, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a different skill. So yeah. and like that, editing is a different skill, and it, mm-hmm. but it's one that has to be done again and again and again, and you have to go over and over and over, and then you send it into your editor, the publisher, and then the publisher comes back and goes, "Well, now," and you think you're finished, you're only started. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah Yeah, so the blank the blank page is the hardest part and get as much as you can down because nobody nobody writes well people edit well they don't write well yeah yeah Yeah, definitely yeah Yeah. because like i know like you're saying that uh, covid like the last two years have been been very hard for everybody but um Mm. have you have you written much um during covid have you got uh, many uh have you got any books out since in the last two years well during covid i got two books out but they weren't started they weren't started in covid that's the thing and i noticed uh, so one was my own book of short stories which was already at the at the publisher editing stage and he was already Mm -hmm. coming back with me back to me with things so that was any the other one was the anthology blana dullach and again because I was at the editing stage with that because people sent in stories they had already written. It mm. wasn't as hard. Now, I'm actually I'm actually going through something which I should have had done. I should have had done by Christmas last. Just gone. This is now April. Um, and I'm only getting to grips with it now. Because I find it very hard to sit down and and get the words down on the blank page but yeah it's coming now and you can see it taking shape and you Great can see stuff. it morphing into whatever it's morphing into but i i'm not the only person i know for a good while there people were sort of they weren't discussing this at all and then all of a sudden all it takes is for one person to turn around and say yeah oh look i was couched during covid i i couldn't cope at all 
mm. and all of a sudden the whole room opens up. Yeah. <laughs> and you re everybody realizes that they weren't the only one who was mm. stuck, who was frozen, who couldn't get a word out, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, COVID was, I think it was the anxiety um, and mm. fear that people felt at the beginning. And yeah. then and then I think staying at home and, for instance, I there were, there were days when I would hardly put a foot over the door, you know, mm. And I'm sure a lot of people were the same. And I was, I, I'm in the vulnerable group as well. So okay. I only, re I was thinking about saying to you just before this started, I just recently got COVID know, and we we're at I the know. tail end. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't want it back again. So I know that at the beginning, I probably would not have got through. And I'm sure you're the same, Mark. You realize anyone who's had COVID, um, anyone who can come through and say, oh, yeah, it's just like the flu. My God, they're the lucky ones. They oh, really yeah, are. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, like, yeah, yeah. thankfully, we've, we've turned a corner, so to speak, with it. Um, yeah. Things are, yeah. Thankfully. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thankfully, you're OK after it yourself. Well, and, both of us. Yeah. 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 And yeah. as well as that, how do you, you keep yourself motivated as well? Um, um, I think like, I think you have to plan. Mm -hmm. uh, number one is you have to plan what you're going to do in the future so for instance I'm writing one book at the minute but I have another book planned out after that um, mm -hmm. Another that's one way another way is to make sure that you have deadlines so if I say to a publisher you know if I contact you maybe next January with a script then you have to have something ready for him yeah <laughs> deadlines deadlines i think work very well with me <laughs> whip 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 come on there get working um the other thing is the the bit of writing every day because mm. if you stop writing you you do yeah you can feel yourself drying up as sort of motivation wise and you mm. just get uh, i'll have yeah. a few more weeks and then i'll start in you know i'll do it tomorrow exactly. Tomorrow's yeah. great, <laughs> yeah. you know. You start procrastinating. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so keeping going a wee bit every day. That's um, great voice. Yeah. That's. I think that is the main, the main man, really. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, that's great. And what's your favorite uh, books to read yourself? Um, and I suppose inspired you the most um, in your writing. Um, I think in Irish. There are two books that I, well, two authors that I keep going back to. Mm. And they're not, they're not new contemporary authors. They're, they're fairly old, but um, there's a guy, Seamus Agrena, also wrote under the name, pen name Myra. Um, he was the first person that I could sit down and read a book like it was a Mills and Boone. Yeah. Easy to get through absorbing you wanted to know what happened at the end mm. and I love I mean all of Myra's books I loved and some of them are in in, in new Roman modern script some of them are in the old Irish script but it was the best actually it was the best thing I ever did with my time after college after college I spent six months on the dole in Belfast Oh, and God. I would I would read I would read a book a night of his mm. 
in the old script because <laughs> I just said to myself, I have to do something, you know, yeah, constructive. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And it was the best thing ever. So anyway, that's um, one person, Myra, Seamus Agrino. The other yeah. person. I think part- he was, I think, sorry to cut across you. Uh, I think he was involved in the Oris group that I do every every week. I think he, he joins in that because it, it sounds familiar to name. This is an older Seamus Agrino who's dead now. Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so he's definitely not. Well, he, <laughs> might, he might be related. He might yeah, be related. He, because he goes by, he goes by Mara as well. That's why just to, um, the, the name oh, rang a bell. Oh, tell him you find him out. You know why he's doing that. <laughs> yeah that's why wow. he's doing that yeah. well that's incredible now yeah, just because yeah. you know when i just just sorry to cross you but i just remember no. that from from earlier on yeah? <laughs> yeah 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 and that's exactly why he's doing it because the original shems agrina called himself myra they all wow. give themselves little pseudonyms I, don't ask me why but anyway they did they did mm. um so that's one person and the other person is yeah. parigo conroe now, okay. if you think if you think about Irish writing at that time, or not just Irish, English as well, um, at the turn of the sort of 1920th century, people wrote very flowery and lots and lots of words. And why use one word when we can use three? And Parik O'Connor cut straight through that and wrote simple, simple, simple language. And mm. you look at his stories and you think, that's just a wee story. And then you realize it's much more than a wee story. Mm. And it's it's so straightforward, but there's so much in it. And I love that. Let's cut through the crap, guys. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. I actually, I, I love his style as well. You know? Mm. Um, I suppose in English, people like Alice Munro. Again, okay. I love the straight, tell it to your face. Let's not have mm. any of the flowery. I do like some flowery language as well but um yeah, yeah but people like alice munro um and catherine mansfield lovely lovely writers right, yeah. you know yeah, brilliant yeah that, that's great and yeah. um, what's your sorry just to uh just give you mind just repeating course i want to i'm interested in that myself the second last irish writer you, you mentioned there um so i can just take a note of it which one harry o'connor or yeah um, Seamus O'Grena I'll write him up on the, the oh sorry the on the chat if I can get him back yeah that'd be great thanks a lot Seamus O'Grena Seamus O'Grena yeah great stuff yeah. yeah that's brilliant thanks very much because I, I know what you're saying earlier on as well about writers group groups they're really good aren't they because I'm involved in one myself Fabulous. yeah because we do what's what's known as um prompts every week where you have a half an hour to to write off a prompt that harry would yeah. put up like you know and do you do you work off prompts yourself in your your group or i find them really really good um we, sometimes we do but not an awful lot what what generally happens in the group i'm in and by the way it's a zoom group so anyone around the country we have people from all around the country coming in yes yeah, um, yeah. and anyone anyone who wants to join they're very welcome so what mm-hmm. happens is um yeah generally people send stuff in for critique and we do critique okay. i have when i was in Lucan library we did a lot of prompting and quite a lot of the courses that i've done in the past there have been a lot of prompts i think they're great i'll just say yeah. one thing yeah. about them 
Um, people do something from a prompt and it does tend to be very good because you're coming at it fresh yeah, and you're yeah. coming at it gung-ho. Mm -hmm. However, never ever put it at the very beginning of whatever story you're working on. That's one thing okay. I find yeah. because your style changes slightly as you work through it. That's number one. Mm -hmm. And number two, it always seems to fit a little bit in. Yeah. Somewhere around the first third, but not but, at the very beginning. No, no, you know? that's 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 funny you should say that because I was only working on yet one yesterday, and um, I found that like it was halfway through it before I actually used the prompt. So yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah, and it's like I mean, uh, one thing I've noticed was doing the other podcast with the ac the actors who are reading mm. the stories, um. One thing I've picked up from my my publisher, who's 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 done an awful lot of acting work himself as well, he he never gets them to read straight. He gets them to start to read and to read and to read, and then to go back because that's when their voice has warmed up. And it's yeah. like your writing voice as well. The prompt, mm. it's it's not your it's the start and it's the warm up, but it's not your actual writing voice, you mm. know. It's yeah, probably more yeah. polished than your actual writing voice, to be honest. Mm. So, yeah. So take it out. And whenever you're writing a story and this, I suppose, a short story. And this is a very good technique for short story is. When say you have a, a draft of a short story. Yeah. Um, take away the beginning, take away the ending. Just, right. You know, delete them. You'll have a copy saved, but delete them and then look at it and then say to yourself, do I need the beginning? Because very often the beginning people begin a short story and really they should begin at a very later stage. And then yeah. the ending, very often the ending can be cut because the very, very last paragraph, very often, not always, will tend to be a little bit of an explanation and then they lived happily ever after, whereas yeah. you don't necessarily need that. Yeah, that's great yeah. advice. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Now, it's it's actually brilliant talking to you today, uh, Real Tom, and I wish you all the success as well uh, going forward oh. with, your, with your writing. You know, straight back at you, Mark. And just, yeah. oh, it was lovely. It was lovely talking to you today. You yeah, know. absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and then make sure you you, you send all your uh, links as well, so I can share them on the show notes as well. And then it'd I be will. great if you kind of. If you could give us the link to that uh, podcast as well, I'd be very interested in that as well. Oh, well, that one, that one's easy. You just put in blah punk IE into. And oh, it's, great. I, I know it's put a fada on the R, but you know yourself, that's just autocorrect. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, but you wouldn't put a fada in on the, but sure, I'll send you all the links anyway. Brilliant. And, okay. Uh, so, it's, so thanks again, Riotan. It's been great talking to you. Mark, it has been a pleasure. Yeah. And I hope someday we might meet for a cup of coffee. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> but um, so that, that was COVID. Real, yeah, definitely. <laughs> real Tom Lee Lennon, isn't it? Lennon? Yep, yeah, Lennon, that's yeah. me. So, yeah, great. Okay, so thanks again, everybody, for tuning in today's uh, podcast, Mark's Motivational Podcast, Authors Tuesday. So join us again for another episode on Thursday. Take care. Thanks. Thanks, uh, Real Tom. Thank you.